Welcome to Burlers Hurlers. It is May 1st. The White Sox are 8 and 13. It's been a bit of a layoff since our last episode, and it's it's been pretty ugly since uh, we last had a pod. Uh, so let's get into what's been going down and just some Sox thoughts. Uh, welcome. I'm host Dan. Do you think there's any... Cor- this is Dan, by the way. I'm already fired up. <laughs> Do you think there's any correlation between our hiatus and them sucking? Like, were the players in the clubhouse pregame? Like, we, the hurlers haven't been here for a while, not as amped up as I usually am. I'm going to strike out four times. I think we might be gassing ourselves up a bit. Already in this season, we've declared that we play a role in Mark Burley making the Hall of Fame. Now the slide slide is on us, too. I mean, how how much are we responsible for? Not that much. <laughs> a lot. Okay. All right. So yeah, our bad. Sorry, Josh Harrison, loyal listener. Must be why you've been sucking so bad. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, we got host Burler and Hurler, our uh, pseudonyms. And uh, yeah, it's been really, really a tough start to the season. We started hot and then we had a rain delay and well, it wasn't even a rain delay. It was an inclement weather delay in Cleveland. And since then, pretty much everything has gone downhill rapidly in multiple places. There's a lot. There's question marks pretty much at every position on the team right now. So why don't we get started with the guys who are supposed to be good? Because I think that's where my biggest questions are. And I'm looking at Jose Abreu. Is Monty Grandal real hard right now? Just having awful at bats, and I, I just don't know what's going on. I mean, for me, those are the those are my two biggest what the hells right now. What is it for you, Don? Yeah, I'm glad you started with that because I think the it, it's so easy to get like mad at the injuries and get mad at like uh, the weather and Tony Larusa, and you know you can be mad at all those things, but. At least last year, a lot of like the front office mismanagement and a lot of Tony's awfulness was diluted by the fact that we had huge contributions from like some crazy uh, random places, whether as your mean Mercedes or just like Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson just like carrying the team for stretches, Grandal especially towards the end. And now all of that's gone. So like we don't have these people putting the team on their backs while like we get the injury situation figured out it's injuries are ravaging us and no one's putting their team the team on the back i guess tim anderson like we literally have one player but even he's like slumping defensively and i know hawk harrelson used to always talk about like you can have defensive slumps people think it's just offense we're seeing it now tim's in a defensive slump and it's like getting real ugly out there yeah the defense has been horrible wholesale um I think Anderson has like five errors plus, maybe eight. It's it's absurd how many errors he has. A lot of them all in a couple of games. Just a little, he got a little shook out there. I'm not really pointing the finger at Tim right now because he still has a respectable OPS. Uh, so I no, think I was just saying that like even the only guy who's doing well is still like the other half of the game doing terribly. That's totally fair. Yeah, he's. I mean, you got to put up at both ends. At least he's doing something. Because, you know, when I look at these first three or four weeks of the season, I think our biggest, when we had our last pod, the biggest question mark for us was the pitching. And that's actually been decent. It's been better than expected from from my standpoint. It's It's been awful in places, but it's been good enough to win. It's just the offense and defense have been horrible behind it and just not putting it in a place to win. We could easily be 13 and eight and still be a little upset about that just from the pitching perspective it's just we've scored 69 runs that's not great i mean nice 
obviously, but uh, <laughs> but we're like first place teams are right around a hundred runs. So our offense is lagging heavily right now, and and it's it's what we're supposed to be like. The foundation of this team is just righty mashers for days. Um, so that's a big problem, and really, it makes me question you know, where we're at this season and going into 20, the next season. Um, where are we even elite on paper? That's kind of a question I wanted to ask you, Don, like every single position, are we even top 15 in that position? And I think when you start to look at it, I don't know if it's more than one or two positions where the answer is yes. I think if you're looking at like this season and next season, like, all right, where do we not even have to worry about? It's the top of the rotation. I mean, you have like two legit aces in Giolito and Cease. And when Lynn's healthy, like you might be able to lump him in there. And then Kopech this season, I think, I think has looked like really awesome. So I think most teams would kill for like our top end starting pitchers. But I mean, our pitching depth is atrocious. So that falls off really quick. But other than that, yeah, like... You see some of the, we've talked about this for two years on our pod. Like you see some of the actual great teams and how stacked they are. And if one guy goes down, they got another equally good guy to replace them. We're starting seven scrubs a night. Sometimes it's insane. Yeah. I mean, just to go back to the original I, question is I think other than shortstop and center field, we're not really elite. At any okay, catcher. I'll give you catcher. We're not really elite at any any other position right now, and that, that's that's kind of scary to be a you know you think you're a World Series contender, but you can't check those basic boxes. I'm talking just top fifteen, and that might be it. Especially because, like, you know, I've I've never loved a Brayu like I should. I'll own up to that. Like, even when he's at his peak, I've always. But like, man, he's getting older than you think. You're like, some of this is a little bit lucky. I don't know if it's going to last. I think now, like, it's evened out where people who have been too optimistic about him need to confront the fact that, like, yeah, he's not this bad, but he's going to be 36 next year. And he's a free agent. So, like, our third hitter, our star hitter is 36-year-old first baseman who seems to be tailing off. And our cleanup hitter is Grandal, who, like, God, I, I love the guy, but what is going on offensively? And Eloy can't stay on the field. So after the one and two hitters, like you said, shortstop center field, what do we have that we're like confident about? I would say Moncada, but I don't think anyone else would. I mean, he's the we can get into Moncada all day later. That's a bigger topic, but he hasn't played yet. So let's let's leave him off the chopping block for now, for your sake, too. Okay. Um <laughs> You know, I will say, a, not it's not even a surprise. You and I love this guy. Andrew Vaughn is having, he's he's probably our best player right now. Oh, God, statistically, yeah. and just who's actually having at-bats, which is a huge issue right now. Guys just not even having at-bats. Three-pitch decision, every single at-bat. Like, he's the only one actually seeing a full, you know, He's in every pitch. He's not getting fooled. Everyone else, like uh, today's game, Angels, bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, Yaz and Abreu came up, and it looked like neither of them wanted to hit the ball. They were both, okay, Yaz was begging for a walk, and Abreu got bailed out by getting hit by a pitch. Like, we we just don't have guys having good at-bats <laughs> throughout the lineup. And Vaughn's, it's sad. He, it's not... It's it's good because it's good to have good players, but it's sad that like a guy with less than 200 games career is having the most professional at bats in our lineup right now. And it makes me wonder how soon does he become the first baseman? Because right now it looks like he should be. And we we free up that spot in the lineup. I mean, that that's that might dominate the White Sox fandom, like that debate over the next few months. And I don't know if I'm ready for that. It's like a Brady Bledsoe thing. Like if a Brady continues to struggle in June, you can write it off like Oof, anyone could have a bad two months, you know, weird year, whatever. 
dead, dead in baseballs. Chalk it up to that. Once it's the all-star break, if a Braves still like kind of struggling, and we get this third overall pick, who, like you said, good at bats every time, tattooing the ball when he's up there. Are we ready to have that conversation as a fan base? Like, fuck, do we put a Braves at DH? Is he starting to play less? He's a free agent next year. Do we owe anything to him? You know, it's crazy. I don't think. I, th- I mean, we've paid him throughout his stay. I, I would not be at this point <laughs> begging for him to come back. Like you said, going into year 36. And I don't know, but it, it is nice to see Vaughn doing what he's doing. And <laughs> even the games we've won in this, uh, drought that we're in right now it's not been good offense it's just been like home run okay we cleared the bases and we're never threatening at all that's the weirdest thing you know i've been watching these games and the seven eight nine hitter of the opposing lineup gives me it makes me more nervous than our three four five hitters make me like excited and optimistic it's just it's a weird place to be in Oh, yeah. I mean, the Angels today, it's like Jared Walsh and David Fletcher, who are it's like, yeah, they're kind of like random guys, but both that we've seen for a couple of years kind of be terrifying. Our, like Adam Engel, is he like our best player? Like, that's it's possible. Gavin Sheets, is he our best player? That's possible. We just have like 24 awful players. And it's like, oh, God, hopefully one of these shitbags can do something. We're just praying for it. You know, it's funny. You brought this up. Uh, we had a pretty bad start to the year last year, but we had more c- random contributors. Right now we have Jake Berger and Andrew Vaughn trying to do their best. Uh, your mean Brian Goodwin, Billy Hamilton impression. And you run it back. It's just it's not as good as it was last time. Like It's crazy how big of an impact those role players had last year compared to what we have now there it's weird the the minor players like you just mentioned and i've mentioned the guys who are not the stars of the lineup are the ones carrying them again in april and it's just not enough this year and i'm looking at last year so like i remember it that way too like man we kind of struggled in april was a little bit touch and go we were 14 and 11 in april like above 500 three games above 500, you extrapolate that for the rest of the year. Like, that's a good team. I don't think, I was looking back, I don't think White Sox fandom, especially on Twitter, is recognizing how atrocious this start is with our record. Because you look at the record, and it's like, oh, five games below 500, we're in a mediocre division, whatever, nothing to worry about. And there is some truth to that. Like, Five below here, it's not as bad as being the AL East, where our season like might actually be over right now. But I was looking back, when's the last time we had a month this bad with a record this bad? You have to go back to July 2019 for a month that the White Sox had this bad of a record. So the COVID season and all of last season, we weren't anywhere close to being this bad. In other words, since the White Sox started to try to win, this is our worst month ever. And that should really like worry people because last April we were still above 500. Even like the tail end of last year when we fizzled off and we had nothing to play for, we were still every single month we were above 500. So five games below 500 in a year where we need to be good is very, very bad. And I don't think there's any sugarcoating that. Yeah. And really there's not a lot to dissect or, you know, hone in on like what the problem is. It's, it's a, bad team right now they're not hitting they're not fielding like you can see it there's no every i've you say the fandom online a lot of people have been posting like expected type stats which is like purely based on no outcomes just based on contact quality or pitch qualities oh the socks are pretty good they're expected to be good it's like well they're not good (laughs) like stop stop posting that it it doesn't matter they can't hit or (laughs) field or do anything right at the moment so what is what does that do it it doesn't help the conversation i mean we have less wins than the oakland athletics who got rid of every single player they have (laughs) 
Yeah, I hate that excuse. Like, if we want to talk about like the baseball and the changing baseball, like that is interesting. Like, I'm I like that, but to use it as an excuse is so absurd because every other team is dealing with the same thing. We're not the only team playing with these like dead end balls. Like, to use it as an excuse, I think is absurd. Yeah, let's uh, let's pivot from the rage rage train just for a second. There's plenty there, but we've been talking about we've been alluding to the dead end ball quite a bit. And uh, it's kind of interesting that the MLB is uh, meddling or tooling with the game, however you want to look at it. And there's definitely something going on with the ball. Do you think that this is to do with contracts, competition? They want more infield play rather than, you know, sort of two or three outcome sort of baseball because like, all the stats point to the, the ball is dead. It's like home run for like on barrel ball and batting average on barrel ball is down across the league by like 10 points, not like an anomaly. It's, it's, it's oh, a yeah. large percentage. So what, what do you think that they're trying to do with this? I think I think it started from a place of there are too many home runs and we incentivize the home run too much. Therefore, roster building is skewing way too much towards guys who are just trying to hit homers. So Major League Baseball thought if we make it harder to hit a home run, hitters will naturally try to hit more line drives, hit more singles and doubles. It'll look more like the 80s and 70s when you just had a guy's hitting 320 Tony, you know, all that. And like, I personally disagree with, I, I love homers. I think they're fun. I love homer hitters. I disagree with it. I understand it though, but I think it's a catastrophe to do it without other changes in the game, because then you're just exacerbating the existing problem of like striking out 15 times, no offense, like zero runs, one runs, at least homers were like saving some offense. If you're facing Jacob DeGrom, like you're not stringing together a big inning with like a couple walks, five hits, chase him out of the game. Like you're praying like, okay, we need to get a guy on to run homer. That's our only chance. And without that, without the home chance of a home run for some of these guys, you're seeing this awful offense. And this is going to, do they think this is going to excite younger uh, watchers of the game? Like, oh, a 2-1 ball game. Awesome. Like it, I think they have it backwards. Yeah, I wonder if they're trying to like ease into the the shift rules that they want to implement with uh, like if hitters aren't just trying to sit dead and pull it or whatever, whatever gives them the most power for their swing. They're trying to distribute across the field. I wonder if they're trying to get the hitters. Okay, start spraying, spread out your chart a bit, get get to the opposite field because next year we're going to have fielders and you know, more routine positions. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. I think so, but that's what I meant by like, I think it's absurd to do this by itself. Like if you wanted to deaden the ball and also ban the shift, totally understand, incentivize Mm -hmm. guys putting balls in play, but doing one without the other, you're just making baseball worse this year for no reason at all. Do both or do neither, but doing one is insane. Yeah, well now that people are actually putting time and attention into the ball and how it actually interacts with the bat and not just, you know, trying to figure out what, what the end outcome was or, you know, analyzing the end outcome. Like what does, what's the physics? How are the physics changing as people pay more attention to that? It's like, it's really interesting because it feels like that's only been a conversation for about five years now where it's like oh the ball's juiced oh the ball's dead the ball's slightly less juiced like like (laughs) i I feel like there needs to be a, a standardization of the juice factor on the ball like how like if you had a museum of balls from all the years of baseball and you run the juice analysis on each ball I would be very interested in seeing what the results are, like some sort of compression analysis, like what actually happens to the ball from every season. And I mean, it's kind of like inflating 
you know, deflate gate. It's kind of the same thing where it's like, well, what is a legal ball for baseball? Because can it just be a tennis ball? I don't know. I the tennis ball thing threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> I was on board until that. Uh, I I think like nobody wants more fly cans of corns in baseball. No one goes to the game thinking, I want to see more routine fly balls. And that's what baseball's doing. That's what Major League Baseball is doing right now with these dead in ball. So if you want to like and I, it's crazy because I think like Major League Baseball should know better. They know how hard it is to hit. You see these guys work on the offseason over and over and over again on like the most minute changes to their swing. That everything has to be perfect. And there's this perception that, oh, guys should just change to be line drive hitters as if it's something they could just do immediately. These guys are insane perfectionists with their swings. You need to give them a season in advance. So if you're talking like more transparency where major league baseball say hey, in 2023, we're juicing the ball, got a year pitchers. You got a year to prepare for it. You're going to have to want to like, you know, get that high uh, fastball ready. 2024, we're going to deaden it. You know, hitters, you're going to want to spray it all over the field. Don't, you know, sacrifice for power. Like I, what's the incentive of a lack of transparency when the game seems to be worse? They're ruined, like Manfred is just ruining the game for no reason. Right. I mean, you open up the door for all these conspirators to sort of spin the narrative when maybe you have a reason you're doing it. Just state that reason. Inform the people you employ. This is what we're trying to do. And maybe they have. Maybe the players have been informed and we don't know. But uh, I don't think they have been, though, because like when they changed the ball, was it last year, two years ago? The pitchers knew right away in spring training, like Verlander. I remember he was saying like, oh, I could tell immediately when picking up a baseball if it's different. Like these guys pitch thousands and thousands and thousands. They know each seam perfectly and they can tell. Haters are going to do the same the second they make contact. They can tell. So I, I think I don't think they're they're being told. They're just figuring it out and they're just being right. not lied to. It's just kept from them. Yeah, strange things. And yeah, another Manfred move that pretty much being universally panned. I mean, it's he's really he's really a bad commissioner. Yeah, he's, he's really, really bad. I, I don't think he's done a single thing right. But, you know, if I like if I got you like hammer drunk for a week, just like a week long bender, just eating horrible food. And drinking crazy amounts of beer and then like on a, the seven days later on like a sunday morning you woke up feeling awful would you do a worse job in like those 20 tw- next 24 hours than manfred's done you just in a daze of like i feel worse than i ever have in my life i can't even like open my eyes because i have such a bad hangover i don't think i anyone could do as much damage as he's done in 24 hours <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible yeah, I don't. I could definitely fake it for a day as commissioner of MLB, no doubt. Better than Manfred's doing. Easy. <laughs> you want to get back? To, you have any other larger thoughts? You want to get back to the Sox? Um, on MLB, not really. Do you? I mean, no, I don't. <laughs> I have one. Well, while we're off the Sox, I have a thought. So I was in uh, New York City uh, last week. And love going there, but you know, one of the best cities in the world. Um, but I was surprised at how present the Yankees were in just like the day to day minutia of the city's like fabric. It just in terms of if you go to a bar, the Yankees are on where I can go, we can go to a bar, we can go to a restaurant when the Sox are playing. You have to ask for them to put it on. And I know the Cubs are like obviously more popular. But even so, like just baseball there is different in a way than it is in Chicago. And I was just wondering, like, what would it be like? Is it even possible and for a world for Chicago to like have the Sox on any bar you go to where it's just like a default? Like, oh, people are watching the Sox game, even if they're not super good. Do you think that's ever possible? Or is it just like, no, we're second class 
Never going to happen. I think that the Sox would have to do a lot to make that happen. And yeah, they would have to do a lot because I mean, Chicago is very much, I don't, you know, I've never been, I've been in New York once and I know the Yankee love is deep in New York. I mean, that's like a global brand. That's almost bigger than the team. It's like part of your civic identity, kind of like the Dodgers. Uh, But the Sox would need to win a lot because you like, look at the Blackhawks. They won three World Cup or <laughs> three Stanley Cups. And right now they stink. And you're not going to see them on TV if you go to a bar. Like it's very Chicago is very much a who's hot right now. We'll jump on the Bulls. We'll jump on like the Bears are permanent. But uh, if any of the other teams are hot, they're they're the hot ticket. It's a little bit of a different market. So yeah, to see true. sort of a breakthrough like that, like the Sox haven't been relevant on that platform since like, I don't know, early nineties, East coast, West coast rap when some, some of them would wear Sox hats. I mean, when's the last time the Sox have been nationally relevant, like in fashion, in just being a part of the city brand. That's a big ask. It's a big ask. Yeah, you're right. I should I should lower my expectations of like, can we compete with the Bears? Because like, you're right. The it's the Bears town. It, it was just yeah. cool to go to a city where like baseball was so present, and you just Absolutely. don't feel like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like, think about it in the in New York, they don't like the Giants. Yeah, I'm sure they're popular, but the Yankees. That's like that's like heritage out there. They're oh yeah champ what 26 27 world series something like that it, there's a lot of pride there so it would take a ton the socks i was there when um, I, don't if you, I don't know if you saw the highlights of the them like throwing garbage at the guardians right fielder oh yeah yeah so that that was the game i was watching uh at the bar and it was so funny to like go back home and like read the reactions afterwards because in the bar at that moment Every Yankees fan was just like wanting more garbage to be thrown. Like, oh, is this fucking guy? <laughs> they were like pissed uh, off at the fans for not throwing enough garbage on this kid. And then mm-hmm. you go home and, and it's like, oh, Yankees fans are such despicable people. It's like, oh, I kind of get caught up into it too. I wanted more garbage. So here neutral. Here come the pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I mean, I thought it was a pretty pretty hilarious dust up i mean i didn't get <laughs> too i didn't really pick a side i'm a i'm a closet yankee fan so I you're garbage really neutral. With them. i'm i'm pro garbage but i'm low key <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna bring i'm not gonna talk about it but i'm voting pro garbage <laughs> sure <Yeah. laughs> oh, all man. right well, let's get back to the horrible white Sox. Nice segue from garbage, yeah. <laughs> yeah, back from one garbage to some more. So you know, speaking of the socks, so I, I got a transition here. I think um, <laughs> something that frustrates me, something that has frustrated me over the last couple of weeks, is uh, people kind of using injuries as an excuse. And like, I get it. You know, it's not Eli's fault that he's injured. It's not. It's not AJ Pollock's fault that he's injured and stuff. But no one that's gotten injured is a surprise. Like Lance Lynn is getting old. Eloy is always injured. AJ Pollock's always injured. Moncada, love the guy, always injured. So like we can't use that as an excuse either. This goes back to the, the offseason building when you and I were predicting this. Like we can't rely on this old aging staff, especially when Kopech's not gonna be able to go more than 120 innings. Like what yep. was Rickon's plan if we were healthy? So none of this is, was should be shocking to anybody, and I don't think Rick Hahn or Tony Larusa deserve a break because of the injuries. In fact, I think it's oh, like even worse. Absolutely not. Yeah, they. <laughs> it's like you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Well, foresight can be twenty twenty two, and things are pretty pretty damn obvious. Like Eloy, God bless him, he always finds a way to injure himself. Yohan, uh same same situation. Lynn old. 
Keuchel bad. Like, <laughs> like legit, we probably have a hundred mil in the roster injured right now. Pretty close oh, to yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's really bad because it's like it's a pretty bad hundred mil too. Like, if you look at it, like the money that got handed out this year and the money we have on the books, it, it's a bad hundred mil. So I'm absolutely pointing fingers because this is what we this is what we were complaining about. It's like really good teams have depth. They don't have Danny Mendick carrying the team like, oh, Danny Mendick is slugging pretty well. Well, he's played in four games and hit one home run. So, yeah, he is right now. Uh, it's not a deep team and the players who are obviously going to get injured are obviously injured like Pollock what it was did he play 10 innings before he got injured he played 10 innings he lost a game for us because he couldn't catch that ball and then immediately was out for two weeks yeah and he's not been having I mean I know he's just back but he's not been having good at bats he's supposed to be you know, a really good plate appearance hasn't been. Um, speaking of injuries, uh, Liam Hendricks, what what the hell's going on there? Did you see the stuff about him tipping pitches earlier? Yeah, yeah I think if you go to Baseball Savant, uh, a, a website we use quite a bit, and you look at his pitch tracking, it's pretty, pretty, pretty obvious that his uh, delivery is almost half a foot away on breaking versus uh, fastballs. It's so you're you're like hundred percent. I hundred percent believe in this that he's tipping pitches. It's a humongous arm angle difference. I yeah. don't know. Like if if you're sit like okay, Liam Hendricks has a ninety six to one hundred mile per hour fastball, so you pretty much have to sit on that if it's coming, and then you see a different slot. Okay, it's going to be breaking ball. And right now, his big problem is he can't locate either of them. So it's, okay, I'm sitting dead red up on fastball, or I'm just not swinging at all if it comes out of that other slot because he's not throwing a breaking ball for a strike. He can't. So that's an easy at-bat for a pro. <laughs> it, it Was it this bad last year? Because I remember a period last year where I was like, oh, God, I am so nervous to see him pitch. Or was the, is this worse? I can't. I honestly can't remember. Um, I think it's worse right now. I like at least when he was getting rocked last year, he had a little more confidence, and I think he was locating a lot better. This year, it seems like he can't locate. He's getting hit hard when he does, yeah. and it's just nothing's going well for him, and. I got to say, the second to last, like we just saw him yesterday, right, Uh, against the Angels, and he he pitched pretty well. But uh, they had one game where I think he got, like, injured in the clubhouse in between innings. Did you see that? He, like, slipped. I did not. That's crazy. (laughs) How does that even happen? (laughs) I don't know. But we saw – Two things. We saw it with Hendricks and we saw it with Aaron Bummer where guys who have, they've really been struggling and we need them to be good later this year. And Tony left them out for two innings. They got through the one inning barely limping and then got sent out for another inning and both ended up losing the game. So I see things like that and I'm really confused about what we're getting in the, like you're saying, you can't blame Larusa. You can't blame Han. There's some people thinking they should get a break. I I, I can't give Tony a break on the uh, the bullpen management early in this season. It's been really confusing, and just I don't I don't get it. But to some extent, like who's well the one guy you're confident in out there? Is it like Jose Graveman. Ruiz, maybe Kendall Graveman? Graveman, like, like I don't. I think Larusa has been genuinely bad for two years, but this is one area where I don't necessarily blame him because, like, Aaron Bummer, we gave you a contract extension. We needed to shut guys down. Liam Hendricks were paying you to be the best closer in baseball. Like, you need to be better. 
So I, the bullpen's the one area where I'm like, I don't blame Larusa. He should probably manage a little bit better, but most guys are just like bad out there. Yeah. So like choose the pile of shit you want to be on the mound for one inning. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, if you're going to hold the offense and defense to the same standard of, hey, you got to perform to some <laughs> minimal or, you know, we're paying you to be exceptional. So, okay. I'll I'll ease up when on is, Tony on that. Speaking of when is Joe Kelly coming back? Why aren't we pay that guy a lot of money and he's just out for a month for no reason? Yeah, eight million dollars. I think on the post game show, Ozzy asked if he was dead. Ozzy has been getting wild on the post game shows during the skid. He's been keeping it competitive, and there, there's insane meathead chatter of him coming back as manager already <laughs> does ozzy think that like this shtick will is makes him more likely to get the job just asking like, is this guy dead <laughs> is he dead though let's get back to it i mean you yeah, asked the I mean, question where is he like yeah, we need like the sun times on this the trip like get some journalists out there for it he's might be he might need our help now this is another thing the burlers are taking on their uh docket we're responsible for the loss streak we're responsible for burley getting in the hall of fame and we got to track down joe kelly his way we're spreading ourselves thin here (laughs) yeah hurler nation we need you get out there and find joe kelly take a picture and your work is done Yeah, no, it's a great question. Where is he? $8 million. Haven't seen a cent returned yet. Because, <laughs> like, that's a guy, he he would have he been a huge help this month. Just, like... Oh, yeah. They're... Just cut Jose Ruiz's innings in half right away. And we're relying on some real bums out there who, like, haven't pitched in the majors before, won't pitch in the majors again. In some real spots, like Joe Kelly out there could help. I'm not saying we'd be 500, but like, could we have one more win, two more wins? Like, I don't think that's unreasonable if we had a healthy bullpen. Yeah, I mean, right now we invested so much into the bullpen and going into the season before we traded Kimbrell, it seemed like it was completely bloated. And right now it seems like we have no one that we can rely on. Truly, it's how has Kembrough been this year? Oh, okay, not uh, bad. Yeah, he's probably all right. I mean, yeah, he's, he's been fine. not good. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't want him. I'm not saying I want Kimbrell back. I'm just saying having him as a second or third to last option or right. in the ninth or eighth inning, it's not the worst thing, but uh, yeah. We need Joe Kelly back, so Joe, if you're listening, reach out. Tell us you're okay. We, yeah, we, we miss you. Stuff, <laughs> we miss you. Oh, man. So, uh, speaking of horrible, Dallas Keuchel? Is he on the team tomorrow? Uh, I don't know if there's any reason for him to be on the team. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you working towards here? Right now, he's got... Nearly a 2.5 whip. It's like 2-3. It's really bad. Um, which is the number of base runners you allow per inning. So that's 2. And, you know, good is like 1.5. That's really good. Like elite. It's like 1. Those are like amazing seasons that people put up. So he's having a really awful year. And if you keep him around... If he gets to 160 innings, I believe he's automatically vested for an option for next season at yep. $20 million. So what what are you keeping him around for? Because you're just working against the 160 at that point. If you get to 160, you're sunk. And it, everything leading up to it is going to be bad. So you may as well just throw Bum Johnson out there from the minors and maybe he's good. Because if you, yeah, like it, it's not really awkward now. He's horrible. So you designate him for assignment, you release him. But if you keep him around July, August, 
and he's healthy, then you just have to like bench him. And then it's like a national story. Oh, the White Sox are denying this veteran a shot at earning an incentive that was in a contract they sign. Right now, nobody cares. You release him, he sucks. Goodbye. Yep. They need to prevent it from turning into a bigger story. I think like would if you woke up tomorrow, you saw on Twitter like White Sox designate Dell Scuggle for assignment, would you be shocked? I'd be shocked that they did something that made sense. Yeah. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> Again, answer. take me out for that week getting hammered all week long. I wake up that Monday and I'm releasing Dallas Keuchel first thing and I'll face the news with dark shadows under my eyes, confident, ready for that conference because it's bad. Well, like he had that game where there was like 16 or 50 errors. I don't even remember. It was a nightmare. And then he lit up the the team in the post game uh, interview. And it's like, dude, you're throwing 83 miles per hour all over the strike zone. These it's, a, it's not a great team you're playing. I think it was the twins, but they, they could hit the ball. It's 83 miles. It's not hard for them. It's hard for regular people. But for pro baseball players, that's right down Broadway. Like some of those pitches, it was one of my like. I just like I love going to that again baseball savant and just looking at the pitch chart and like that is an eighty mile per hour change up right down the middle. Yeah, Brian, Byron Buxton is going to hit that four hundred and eighty feet, and he did. <laughs> it's just like crazy. There was no, there wasn't a less surprising event than Mike Trout hitting a homer off of Dallas Keuchel in his first at bat today. It's like, oh, yeah. of course, like why wouldn't he? It'd be shocking if he didn't. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 please. It's a great point you brought up because like if Keuchel was a likable veteran in the clubhouse, it's like, oh, shucks, you know, I got to I got to be better for my teammates. You know, they're relying on me and I'll let them down and I'll be better. That's a guy where it's like, oh, man, you know, maybe we just maybe we just go forward. Maybe get this guy's money. Give him a shot too. Maybe we'll bench him later. But guys love him. We'll keep him around. I, who in that clubhouse likes Dallas Keuchel? He shits on him every chance he gets. He never takes responsibility for himself. He wasn't like on the team when they were bad. He's not like Tim Anderson, who's like, I was here when we sucked, and I worked my ass off to make sure we're good again, and I'm going to be like the leader now that we're good. Dallas Keuchel basically like, benched at the right. end of last season. Yeah, so what's his standing to like criticize others? It, I could actually see a scenario where like you release Dallas Keuchel and we do better just because like clubhouse stuff matters. You know, it, it's easy to forget about that, but I'm sure guys hate being around him. It's like this old ass guy who throws 70 miles an hour is going to criticize me for like not trying. Right. <sighs> and just getting back to that contract situation. If that locks in, that's money that can't be spent on other players. So it's just yeah, that's like, twenty million that should be Giolito, should be Ceases for an extension, should be Tim Anderson for that matter. Should have been Rodon's for that oh, matter. God, should have been Rodon's. Let's have a Carlos Rodon moment of appreciation as he has been absolutely electric out there for the uh, Giants. So good for you. Good job, uh, Han. On getting him back, we've got Vinny V and Dallas Keuchel. <laughs> I, I saw some uh, people on Twitter, not not to like lump all the White Sox fandom into you know one monolith, but I, I've seen a few people on White Sox Twitter say like, I don't blame Han for not bringing Rodon back. You can't spend you know twenty million, even if it's only two years, on a guy who like can't stay healthy. But the converse is. Or the inverse is like, but well, he will <laughs> and has next, next year. He's going to be thirty-five million, so you can have him for two years, forty, or seven years, two hundred and ten. Which one do you want? Like right. the dude's a monster. Mm-hmm. There's no universe where it's like, yeah, I'll get Carlos Rodon for eight million. Like that's what pitchers cost. Do you see what the what we have now? We have Vince Velasquez. Is this what you want? Although he's actually been kind of kind of decent. He had one good game. Let's all right, two, two out of four. But he he can also be pretty horrible. But he did have yeah, a good game yesterday. I'll give he him was that. Good yesterday. He was really good. 
Let's uh, so transition to that. Actually, I was actually got out to the ballpark for my uh, first Sox game. It was a lot of fun. Got the uh, Sox hockey jersey, which is uh, it's more of like a soccer jersey material. If you're wondering, like it's not like an actual hockey jersey. It's you know like the the soccer jersey paper, the paper thin polyester type material. It's I that. don't think I've ever seen a soccer jersey in my life. Like, okay. I'm talking like bootleg soccer jersey, like the kind you get in the street, not like the one at the Adidas store. Well, let, um, let's be clear here. The way you originally phrased it, I'm trying to scroll back in G-Chat. I think you said it was a paper towel in the shape of a hockey jersey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I w- I'm going to be honest. I was a few... Th- White Claw has this new drink called the Surge, which is uh, 8% alcohol. And I had oh, three of these surges while waiting in line for my paper towel jersey. <laughs> I, was, I was a little riled up, to be honest. But you know what? Give Make that guy, the, whoever sent that text, the commissioner of baseball, because that's dead on. It's like, oh, yeah. It is like a paper towel. <laughs> it's weird, though, because it's it's... It's kind of emblematic of the socks. It's like cheap and nice at the same time where it's like, it's got all these like nice details to it, but it's also paper towel. <laughs> like we're going to give you Lucas Giolito out on the mound and we're going to give you Jose Abreu, but it's going to be a disaster of a game day experience because there's nothing around the stadium. And we're going to start Gavin Sheets and Larry Garcia and all these horrible players. But Hey, Lucas Giolito, that's fun, right? <laughs> exactly exactly but we had a good time it was good to get out there um you went to a game as well right you went to a day game yeah we got crazy awesome seats off of StubHub. it was like you know those rich guys get season tickets and then they can't make it and you just wait like to the right moment day of so we were like right behind the plate for like 30 bucks it was awesome uh, we lost though i mean horrible game the socks suck but I don't think I've ever sat that close, like behind home plate in my life. Even back in the day when uh, I forget you had that hookup when we were in like grade school where we were like in what became the scout seats. You remember those seats we had? Yeah. So that was like there's a, a scalping business in my mom's office building. This was like pre StubHub when like there were 50 different things like StubHub, but no one ever had the idea of like, wait, why don't we make a website and make it look nice? So this is like the wild, wild west. So any tickets they couldn't sell, like they asked my mom upstairs, like, hey, your son likes baseball. Right? I'm going to take two. But I remember those always being like very good, but behind the White Sox dugout, like third base side. And this was like we were like right. I mean, it may be like five feet away from where the camera would be. Like if you're watching the game, we'd be like five feet from the left, like just like right out of view. Yeah, Don sent me a picture from the game and it looked like a professional photograph. And, you know, saying that is one thing, but you have to understand Don and technology don't go together. So to receive that photo, I was like, wow, that must be a really good seat because even Don couldn't mess that up. (laughs) (laughs) Shaking hands with a flip phone. like It's a good shot. Yeah. Don still has a Nokia, so I don't know how he got it, but. He locked it in. Um, did you want to talk about? So I have to say, I also went to a Cubs game against the Rays. I saw Wander Franco go yard, and hit it. he's a, he's amazing. Oh, oh, that was God, a great yeah. game. Um, but I, I they just finished or are still working on the Cub Disneyland, whatever is going on down there. And I gotta say, they've done a pretty good job. Like I was. You know, we're Sox fans, so we make fun of everything they do. But uh, it it was already a better area, like, for hanging out in. And now it's it's been, they upped the ante. And it makes me wonder why the Sox aren't looking at that, the infrastructure. Like, if it's truly just about dollars and cents, then do things that make sense. Because there's like six parking lots make one of them into like a fairground do that 
make something. I, it's just confusing me. It's like I go to all these other stadiums and we have like a direct competitor in the market and we're just not doing what everyone else is doing. Did, did you feel that at all this, this year when you were at the game? It, it stuck out especially because the game I was at was the one with uh, the crazy wind where there was all those airs. And like pre-game, the, it was the most insane wind. I mean, I've lived in the, this area for 30 years. We're used to wind, but like I saw glass sunglasses like fly off people's faces. They were standing and just like they were gone forever. They just like swept 100 feet across the parking lot. And I was thinking like, this doesn't happen when you go to Wrigley or when you go to Fenway because you just go to like a but you hang out beforehand and you walk three minutes to the game. You don't have to tailgate in this like nightmarish concrete wind hellscape because like we were Becky and I like we brought a couple beers to enjoy before the game where, you know, but like, were we enjoying it? No, because it's holy shit, it's 50 miles an hour wind. I'm just going to like chug this foamy Miller light that was shaking around so I can hopefully like go in where it's a little bit warmer. Why aren't there? Maybe we don't need restaurants and bars. Like I don't think that area of Bridgeport, Bridgeport can support that like infrastructure, but they need to be creative. Like you said, what are, what can we do with one of those parking lots to make it a more interesting and accessible and like safe way from the elements to like, enjoy your time pregame rather than just getting blasted with the wind because we need to figure it out. Chicago weather isn't changing. April and May is always a disaster. So you're just saying, Oh, for two months, our fans just can't have fun because who wants to be here before the game? Yeah. Before and after it's yeah. And it's, you know, in Wrigleyville, they they've got to make stuff work with dozens of different, owners property owners you know the city because those are like major streets that get heavy traffic they own pretty much acres of land that they could just do whatever they want with because they own it already it's just like it's a little shocking like i'm just shell-shocked coming from wrigley where they've got that nice little sitting area outside in front of the marquee where they've got the game projected on this giant tv they have all these hotels and yeah, it's super like cookie cutter and not authentic, but it's also something to do. Like it, not everything has to be <laughs> rooted in history and, oh yeah, well that place right. has been open since the civil war. It's like, okay, that's great. Yeah. I don't need to be like, like at the cubby bear. <laughs> like going to a bulls game. I don't need to like be at the cubby bear to have a good time. Like I just want to have a couple beers, sit down. If you, give me like a huge tent area with like some tables and a game on and like bags or something. I'm going to have a good time. I'll spend an extra hour out at the at Comiskey. If you just give me something to do, but they rely on people just like, I don't know. Like how many people do you think like tail actually tailgate before a game? What percentage of the uh, fandom? Like not that many. Like why this is a money making opportunity. Yeah, there are some dedicated few, but it's not like, you know, Buffalo Bills style where it's the entire neighborhood into the parking lot and people are getting power bombed through disposable tables. It's not that. And that's good in some ways, but you know, I wouldn't mind a few power bombs. I could see a power bomb. I would love to see a power bomb. It's what we need. I mean, we're not getting anything in the game, so I may as well see a guy end his life in the parking lot for a Bud Light. The only thing I could think of is like, like Reinsdorf could turn that whole landscape into something like Wrigley. He could turn it into a destination, revitalize that area of Bridgeport that's just like so old. Because I think I think like it's a neighborhood. Like Bridgeport's a neighborhood. You could make that look like Wrigleyville if you wanted to. Not that you wanted to, but you could if you wanted to. I think the only reason he doesn't is because he A is gonna sell the team, or B, he's looking for a new stadium deal ASAP. That like why would he invest any more in this? He's looking to get by the lake, he's looking to take over Soldier Field, he's looking for something, you know. I think those are probably the answer as to why it's not better down there. Interesting, interesting side theory. 
I guess like part of me is just like that would never happen. It totally could happen. It's been on the table. So, yeah, good point. But yeah, definitely an issue that would be nice if they would solve. (laughs) Um, Yeah, here's something. So do you think like, did you bet the Sox to win the World Series? No, I bet them to make the playoffs, though. Or to win the division, sorry. I bet them to win the division. Okay, so that market hasn't moved as much. I guess what yeah. I was going to say, like, just if you think that this is a fluke, then now would be the time to double down on your bet because the the odds have pretty much doubled or more than doubled for them to win the World Series. So I guess that's kind of bigger question framed in betting terms. Do you think this is a fluke or do you think we've truly fallen out of like the top five in the league already? I think you would. I think that depends on two things. Where do you think Lance Lynn comes back and is like Lance Lynn for real? And if Kopech can pitch the entire season, because if you think those two things, then I think like, oh yeah, World Series is plausible. I wouldn't be shocked if Lance Lynn comes back around Memorial Day. Then you look up a month later, and it's like, whoa, holy shit, the Sox were like nineteen and four in June. I wouldn't be shocked at that. With we just got four amazing pitchers, and then the fifth is Velasquez or something. Like, I think that's very plausible. But if the offense sucks the whole year, I I don't necessarily think that matters if our four stud pitchers can be healthy and pitch like that. What do you, what are the odds at right now for the World Series? I saw it at a thousand. No way, uh, really. Two days ago, yeah, I think it was four fifty to open the season or five fifty, something like that. Let me see. It might Open even be lower four. now because they they've since lost more games. Yeah, and the uh, I mean, the rest of the AL like there are some monster teams in the AL. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yankees won like ten straight or something. Like, all right. Are you saying you're gonna? While I look it up, are you saying like you are intrigued by this? No, really. I was just uh, wondering if you're selling on the socks this season. <laughs> like, do you think it's do you think it's over? Or do you, like, it sounds like you don't. It sounds like you think they can come back and figure this out once they get healthy. Yeah, I, th- I think. I mean, say what you will about Moncada, he's going to be back in a week, and he's better than any other option we have. Like Jake Berger is a nice little story, but Moncada's significantly better Larry Garcia Josh Harrison like we both like them I think we've said is like a 25th man but when they're starting it's a disaster so even if you don't love Moncada it reduces the time of generally bad players that's gonna help that stuff helps for sure yeah oh, it only has, sucks at 13 to 1 FanDuel still has them as a sixth sixth uh, most likely to win the World Series right and I think they opened in the four the fourth yeah. position so they have yeah. dropped betting wise and in the power rankings uh, pretty much across all the different medias well it's actually intriguing then because like if you think if you like the twins they're leading the division now winning the division is a huge incentive obviously winning the world series twins are at 35 to 1 to win the world series yeah, it, it's pretty surprising. The Sox are still, they're like minus 200 to win the division. And yeah, the Twins are, they've got a decent lead now. And I think they were at plus two, 200, something like that to win the division. So yeah, it's a, if they weren't the Twins, yeah, I would say that that makes sense. <laughs> if you're Guardians, man, they're 100 to one. I mean, that's the bet. If you're going to bet yeah. on an opponent, we said this at the beginning. You can't bet on the Twins, so you may as well bet on the Guardians. That was the bet at the beginning of the year. But they're pretty bad, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're as bad as us right now, though, so it's not like we can act all high and mighty around them. I'm uh, looking to parlay some MVP bets because I'm just so disenfranchised with the sex. Yeah. 
just one more bet that I was kind of keeping an eye on out of interest, not really out of putting money down, but Dylan Cease's uh, AL Cy Young oh, yeah. odds have gone way down. I think I saw him at like plus 800 the other day. I think it was like 1500 to start the year. After his second start, he was actually like he had the the best odds. It was like him and like Kevin Gossman right there. Like I, there's no value anymore in Cease. Right. The whole like any baseball fan, any baseball better knows like, oh, that guy is a monster. Absolutely. Yeah. He's been amazing. Becky, uh, Becky enjoys the mustache too. She's a pro mustache for Dylan Cease. He, oh, she yeah. thinks he should keep it. He has to. I mean, he's got a look now. It's not, you know, he's not the first pitcher to have a mustache, but it works for him. I thought you were going to say he's not the first and he won't be the last. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said it. Someone had to. All right. We'll close out. I don't know if you have any more, but I got a, I got a monster bet for people. If you parlay Carlos Rodon and Dylan Cease to win the respective Cy Youngs, that is 70 to 1 right there. That is the most burler hurler bet of Oh, ever. yeah. If you got $15 to your name, and you do, tell you what, you put $15 in FanDuel, and your two favorite pitchers win the Cy Young, you got $1,000 coming your way in October. That's, That's a mad fun. payday. That yeah. is a fun bet. That might be the most. That's all I'm rooting for now. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm literally pr- pressing the uh, uh, place right now. The bet is in, people. Don will be a thousand dollars richer. Fast forward six months, listen to the episode. It's just gonna be Don in singles throwing him in the air. <laughs> we'll do a we'll do a video pod for that one, so we could all watch. <laughs> Which is me rolling around in a bed of singles. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah, I think we covered it. It's really, it's been awful. We've talked about how bad it's been for an hour. Maybe they'll get better and we can start talking about good things. But right now there's not a lot of joy or really even stories to talk about. It's just a bad team, bad pieces, nobody's performing everyone's hurt it's it's not good so we had a, a while we, we were holding out for something some sort of turnaround or some sort of closure but it looks like this wound is still still pretty open but uh one one bright spot i will say is that uh camelback ranch the place where the Sox place bring training recently hosted a event called the i love the 90s tour and uh, you could have seen such artists as Vanilla Ice, Coolio, Young MC, Tone Loke, and something sure. called Bob Beige. I may have miswritten that, so apologies to you. But that, <laughs> can you think of a more Arizona night than that? I love the 90s tour concert. You know, I wouldn't have a bad time if I'm there. Oh. Hell no. You're in a ballpark. You got V Ice and Coolio possibly doing, you know, a duet on Gangster's Paradise. That's everything you want. That's all it's you better need. better than the White Sox. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Between V Ice and the White Sox, I think 100 people make the right decision. I. <laughs> 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 This is where we're at. It's it's only May, and we're already talking about '90s tours in Arizona as alternatives to this White Sox season. Well, yeah, I mean, if he did Ninja Rap, it's game over. <laughs> Shut it down. He opens and closes the show with it. Oh, that's amazing! I gotta go to setlist.fm to see how many times that's been true. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up on. We love Vanilla Ice in the 90s. Um, Don, you got anything else? You know, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited for the Cubs series. I'm, I'm, I circled that on my fake calendar, metaphorically. Tuesday and Wednesday, we got Giolito and Kopech going. That can really turn around the season. Like, if we, if we win those two games with our two best pitchers, or my two favorite pitchers, I'm, like, all 
I'm all in. I'm back in. So let's do it. Good call. Let's look forward to something. Let's get some big wins. Let's get something to be excited about. All right. We'll do an, another episode soon. There won't be as much of a layoff. We've been a bit busy. So hopefully the Sox get this turned around, figure some stuff out because we need them too soon. I'm just going to stop recording there. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable.